we're out of time here. Thank you very much to all of you listening here on the Daily Sports Report, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thank you very much to Austin Falco, Vanessa Litchard, and Grace Boyles for coming and hanging out. My name is Nick Hornberg, and have a great evening, everybody. Well, <clears throat> Halloween music. Yeah, I was uh, doing a little mix master. Right on. Jamming there. Anyway, welcome to another <laughs> edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim DeWire. Obviously, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming election tomorrow it's a big event looks like turnout is going to be way up and that's uh i think all the good for the united states of america our democracy is almost dysfunctional in many ways it's interesting by the way that in 1982 uh the midterm elections turnout was up that year it was 39.8 percent and it was also up in 1994 38.8 percent but the other years, it's usually in the 36s. And that has benefited the Republican Party for the last uh, 30, 40 years. This year appears a little different, but uh, nothing's guaranteed. And I think we, we saw, uh, we've seen early turnout is way up in many states. And uh, one thing that may hurt the Democrats tomorrow, interestingly enough, is the weather. The weather looks like it's going to be pretty bad in uh, in the Midwest and the Mid-Atlantic states. Well, that is sometimes a factor. Uh, enthusiasm, though, I think might uh, actually rise to the occasion despite the weather. I mean, driving down here uh, for the show tonight, this is, of course, the first day after we've switched the clock back for daylight savings time. It's, oh, right, it's, it's dark out. It's kind of dreary, so... Just in time to lift your spirits up for the election. It's a right. little dark and dreary, but I do think that in two races in particular, uh, the Senate race in Texas, the governor's race in Georgia, the extent to which in mobile, like advanced mobilization of uh, increased voter turnout, uh, Texas is... Uh, second biggest state in the uh, country, population-wise. Yes, indeed. But historically, it's essentially a non-voting state. It's I a mean, non-voting state. Even in presidential election years, I think only about half the register, you know, eligible voters vote, and it's about a quarter of the eligible voters in midterms. Uh, those numbers are way up for early voting, for new registrations for voting, and uh, that certainly bodes well for O'Rourke's campaign. Uh, ditto in Georgia, where in the wake of the Supreme Court's bizarre and highly dubious decision to gut the Voting Rights uh, Act, um, states where the mechanics of elections are controlled, you might even say manipulated by uh, Republicans, uh, has been, and we saw this uh, with uh, Native American voters in North Dakota, the attempts to rig the system so that uh, voter turnout is discouraged, 
Um, I think more and more people are wise to this, aware of it, and uh, it's a pretty bald-faced scam uh, to consistently try and pull this and to say, oh, well, you know, gee, uh, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think... It doesn't have to be that way. Voter suppression and uh, gerrymandering are actually two of the of the advantages that the Republicans have. But I think that the turnout, I think that this vague word about enthusiasm doesn't mean much. Uh, There's a very interesting story in today's New York Times about the House uh, predictions. The Cook Report, uh, which has been around for a long time, Charlie Cook appears on in the national media and PBS. He looks a little bit like... uh, kind of a chubby Harry Potter. He's got a kind of a bowl haircut and glasses. He's the real expert on the polling in the house races. And he is noting that there are 30 toss-ups, which is a lot. And as the story noted, if the Democrats can even win five or six of these seats, they probably will take control of the house. I think we'll know early if the Democrats are picking up uh, suburban seats in Upstate New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Virginia, even Virginia, down the I-95 corridor, Florida, they're probably going to have a big, a good night. Well, then, Florida will be interesting because the uh, Democratic candidate for governor there has a not insignificant lead in polls. And there's likely to be a sort of a coattail effect uh, in strong governor races. Yeah, and the coattails are important in Florida, uh, Georgia, Texas in particular, possibly even Ohio. But the Midwest is pretty gerrymandered. So even in Michigan, where Whitmer looks like she's probably going to win relatively easily, uh, and Stabenow will win re-election, I think, without question, uh, what's motivating voters in Michigan are the proposals that are on the ballot. Very interesting. There's a marijuana proposal. There is a gerrymandering uh, issue. Take uh, you know, take it out of the legislature and back to a uh, nonpartisan commission. And there is the absentee voter registration easing up those things. Those things probably will help the Democrats. Well, those are three. You know, it took a lot of work to get those ballot initiatives on there. And I think there's a lot of support for them. Yeah, and that might be uh, the factor that swings Michigan uh, statewide to the Democrats. However, in the U.S. Congress, because Michigan is so gerrymandered, I think the Democrats, frankly, will have a good night if they pick up two seats. Um, You're talking about just in terms of Michigan. Of the U.S. congressional delegation, uh, because, uh, you know, the— the the Oakland County seat, I think it's Congressional District 8, is always pretty close. I've never been confident that Tim Wahlberg is going to be defeated, but that's another, quote, toss-up. And then the Justin Amash District out near Grand Rapids is uh, considered competitive. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I wouldn't expect uh, Michigan to really swing that much in the congressional delegation. But on the other hand, other states may do the job. It's frankly ironic that Donald Trump, who uh, I think made a cameo in uh, the Reservoir Dogs as Mr. Orange, 
uh, may have problems in Orange County. Uh, there are a mm. number of long-held Republican seats that are either toss-ups or Democrats look like they're going to win. So, Boy, I hope Devin Nunez goes down. Well, you know, it's amazing. He, <laughs> I don't know how likely that is. But yeah. He, well, he is such a weasel. He, he basically, he blew it. He, had, he, he won so easily. He won by 35 points in the last election that his downfall has been um, constituency services. He doesn't show up for anything. He's too busy uh, helping out his master. <laughs> yes, the precious. <laughs> the president, he's too busy sneaking around in the bushes. Well, this is another what's being called mini-me-ism, where some candidates who have run so close to Trump or who... Uh, model their behavior or their approach to uh, campaigning on that aggressive bellicose style. Um, that's a flavor that uh, many have tired of. Yeah, and I also think that some of this nonsensical stuff that Trump's been involved in in the last several weeks shows the desperation. He throws out renegotiating the INF Treaty one weekend. That went nowhere. This past week, of course, he talked about birthright citizenship. Yeah, I can uh, and amend repealing. the Constitution yeah. by an executive order. Repealing no. the 14th Amendment. You can't do that. As, they, as he put it, they told me. Yeah. And I'm like, they told you? Who's the they? Um, probably Mussolini? Uh, I mean, <laughs> well, probably the uh, fluffer in chief, Sean Hannity, and uh, gas bag for hire, Rush Limbaugh, both of whom are... Going to well, accompany him on the big stage tonight in Missouri. Hannity was a late cancellation. Oh, really? Guess what? Rupert Murdoch might have called him up and said, Don't <laughs> Time do to get it. off the train, yeah. dude. <laughs> this, is, this ship is sinking. And Missouri, of course, is one of the key uh, Senate seats. Yeah, Claire McCaskill there, who at the moment has a you know slight lead. A in slight polls. lead. She's won statewide before. She's come from behind before. She looked like the most vulnerable incumbent uh, eight months ago, but uh, she's fought back. Uh, Trump's trade policies have hurt Missouri. Mm -hmm. And, I, in fact, I think the Democrats have made a mistake not hyping the tariff uh, failures of Donald Trump. They, of course, have banked on health care. But the caravan stuff, I think, has gotten a little oversold and at, at, at a certain point almost pathetic that this is constantly being brought up well we're the, gonna shoot them yeah. if they throw rocks yeah a rock is just, just like a rifle <laughs> i'm like, not sure what universe that's true in well um, it's true in the west well, bank it must have well yeah you, you, even <laughs> picking up a rock there you can get shot but i mean let's face it these potential alleged <laughs> rock throwers are hundreds of miles away yeah, and, and literally. But the Army is on the ground in Texas. And they're running out of gas. I mean, this caravan is not going to have that many people once it even gets to the border, assuming that it ever does. I would love to see Lard But, but Trump actually walk down to uh, the Honduran-Mexican uh, border, Guatemalan border. Uh, the, the caravan, by the way, is allegedly in Oaxaca right now. So it's got a long ways to go. And... Uh, well, the, this, the, they're sleeping out in the streets. I yeah. mean, this is not like, you know, the Boy Scout 20 mile hike where you've got uh, camping equipment and stoves and uh, raisins and stuff to eat. This is. Well, are these, I mean, these are refugees. These yes. are people who had to flee their homes. 
They did not, you know, empty out bank accounts or bring, you know, all of their worldly possessions with them. They have like a, a handbag at best. Yeah, and of this course, is like an emergency situation. This uh, this synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh, which you know Trump made his uh, obligatory appearance. When they made it, they had the gall to make an ad out of the footage of him being respectful. For once. Although, you know, nobody there really spoke to him other than the rabbi who sort of obligated to be gracious well, uh, despite and, the circumstances. And, of course, what he said was, I'm going, He th this is a classic Trump gaffe. He said, I'm going to support the police officers that are in the hospital. Like... <laughs> Okay, consolation, uh, a, a act that Donald Trump is incapable of. But, of course, we're now learning that this uh, character in, uh, in Pittsburgh was picking up the conspiracy theories about the caravan from Fox News and Donald Trump. Yeah, you look at the language of the pipe bomber, the final tweet of the uh, shooter in Pittsburgh, it's straight off of Fox News. And Trump has a lot of nerve talking about law and order. We've seen shootings, racially motivated shootings, at a yoga facility in yeah, Florida, yeah. at a Kroger store in Kentucky, after this guy attempted to go into an African-American church. Well, then he blamed the temple in Pittsburgh. Oh, you guys should have had armed guard out front. <laughs> what, we can't pray in our church? Uh, here in the civilized world in safety? No, Ed, you can't. And, no, apparently not. Yeah. And that's the problem ab about America now is that you just can be in the wrong place at the wrong time where some nutbag is, is allowed to buy uh, assault rifles uh, under the Second Amendment. Of course, we haven't heard anything from the NRA. Well, you know, the extent to Thank which— God. How much money is still getting funneled at this this whole uh, Maria Butina operation uh, to, you know, sort of co-opt the NRA? Of course, the Russians would love to see Americans shoot each other. Uh, that That's one explanation for why the NRA has this policy, despite the fact that most Americans are begging, please give us some sort of sane gun policy. Yeah. And speaking of shooting each other, by the way, one I mentioned earlier, the INF uh trial balloon that Trump threw out a couple of weekends ago. I called it a screwball maneuver uh, a couple of weeks ago on Gray Matters. Um, of course, it turns out that Trump's explanation for uh, withdrawing from this treaty, which I don't think he can do, by the way, um, he has to go to Congress and get sort of uh, acquiescence on that. Another questionable constitutional uh, interpretation of Donald J. Trump. But the nuclear weapons are owned mainly by the Russia and the United States. In fact, they own 95% of the nuclear weapons. Trump's excuse was China didn't sign the agreement. Well, Chad didn't sign it either. <laughs> China is a nuclear power. Uh, but I don't have the sense that China is running around the world uh, pursuing nuclear um, threats the way Ronald Reagan did. You know, one of the ironies of the INF Treaty was that it was the American government that put the so-called Minutemen into Western Europe to deal with a short-range, intermediate-range missile that right. the Russians yeah. had, the Soviets. I think that missile was called the SS-20. Um, 
super secret 20. Who knows? But uh, the European governments of France, Germany, West Germany at the time, and Great Britain suffered enormous political, their, their leaders suffered enormous political damage putting those missiles. Very unpopular with the people who actually live in those countries. There were massive protests in Western Europe back in 1982 and 83 when Ronald Reagan was pursuing this uh, wackadoodle uh, nuclear strategy. And, of course, he ne negotiated the INF deal uh, in 1987 and 1988. We'll give him some credit. He apparently had some good chemistry with Gorby, uh, Gorbachev. And Gorbachev, ironically, wrote a, a, a an, an editorial in the New York Times a couple of days after Trump proposed this, claiming that this proposal was deranged. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? This was a good this was a good deal. But the fact of the matter is we still have 15,000 nuclear warheads are currently in existence. Uh, I'm reading here from a uh, letter to the London Review of Books uh, dated the 14th of November of last year, um, talking about Donald Trump's loose dis discussions a year ago about uh, expanding our nuclear arsenal. Uh, that is a really bad idea, completely unnecessary. And how ironic that it emerges that it was Vladimir Putin who wanted to get out of the INF Treaty. This was one of his ideas that he threw out. Gee, maybe that's what they talked about in their still secret meeting in Helsinki. Here's what you do, Don. You, you, we, I want to get out of this We treaty. fell in love yet again. Yeah. Uh, of course, that uh, performance uh, was quite frankly, pathetic. And uh, we don't know what was discussed. Um, Trump talks about all this personal chemistry. He has continued to claim, by the way, that there are free trade agreements eminent with China and his updated version of NAFTA. Those have yet to materialize. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, the Mexican government said they weren't going to sign the updated NAFTA agreement unless Trump removed the tariffs on steel and aluminum, yeah. which hasn't happened. And the net result of this, by the way, is that farmers scattered in the Midwest and in the South in particular are the ones that are paying for this tariff policy of Donald J. Trump. And what is his proposal? Oh, we'll have a $15 billion bailout. We'll take care of those guys. Well... Um, Just chuck that uh, money into the uh, increasing deficit pile. The, Plus the uh, what I don't know what it's costing to send the army to Texas. Yeah, the fifth, and the, you know that was another stunt uh, late last week. Uh, we're sending the troops to to the border to protect America from the almighty caravan. That's uh, well, it's been reported that it's still a thousand miles away. That people are going home, um, that it's that the Mexican government is actually uh, stepping up to the plate and offering asylum. How ironic that the Mexican government that's beleaguered with all kinds of problems emerges more compassionate than the, the U.S. government. And, of course, the front page story of the uh, young girl uh, starving to death in Yemen died. She died on Wednesday. 
or Tuesday. Of within last like week. A, a handful of days of the uh, images having been printed. Yeah. And let's give Pompeo and uh, I think he needs a Roman name like Pompeioius. Gluteus Maximus Pompeius. And Mattis, who are trying to get a ceasefire organized. What are the Saudis do in response? More bombing today, more more of an, uh, another offensive operation. Well, that's, you know, Steve Mnuchin went there with his, uh, his big toothy grin and sat down and made nice with the autocrat, which is, you know, Trump's standard foreign policy preference. And these, of course, are some of the issues that are not being discussed. Uh, unfortunately, in this campaign, it's it's. You know, we need to be talking about water, clean water. We need to be talking about uh, the solvency of state pensions that are three hundred and fifty billion dollars in red ink that are actually serious economic problems for this country. With a cycle uh, of increasingly devastating and economically cataclysmic uh, hurricanes and other uh, natural disasters, uh, all of which are attributable and connected to the climate change situation that Republicans are just sort of uniformly disbelieving of. And of course, we had a uh, over the weekend, we had a National Guard. I think he was a major, turned out to be the mayor of a uh, uh, suburb of Salt Lake City, near Salt Lake City, killed. This was his fourth tour of duty in Afghanistan. Yet another inside job. Why aren't we discussing Afghanistan in this doggone campaign? We've been in Afghanistan for 17 years. We've been meddling in Afghanistan for almost 40 years now. This is one of the most blunderous policies in the history of human civilization. Gorbachev withdrew the Russian troops from Afghanistan in 1988. This is 30 years ago. And what are we doing in Afghanistan? Does anybody have any answers? Does anybody ask any questions? No. This continuation of gosh knows what. It, it used to be called nation building. I don't know what it really is involves now, it, but it's clearly... Almost half the attacks on American personnel this year have been these inside jobs. So it, it, it this is yet another example of an issue that just gets no coverage. There's no discussion in our country. We're 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 in well, we're, our heads are in the sand. It's, it's hard to talk about the wide range of issues that I mean. You just listed just a couple. I yeah. mean, there's a there's a couple dozen more. But part of the uh, problem with the air we're living in is that clown pants sucks the air out of the room. And with each new outrage, the focus just falls back on the you know complacency of Republicans and just the ongoing madness. Uh, we're joined here in the studio now by longtime blues scholar Jerry Mack. Just briefly here, not to interrupt you guys, but uh, to your uh, point about the Afghanistan thing, as long as Pakistan has nuclear weapons, I thought that's why the troops were there. Not that I'm a proponent of U.S. troops overseas, but the fact that Afghanistan or Pakistan could go rogue any time, and I think that's why they're keeping the troops there. That's their explanation, but of yeah, course— their, their excuse, right. Pakistan has nuclear weapons thanks to uh, 
North Korea. Well, and there's also the and India th- th- yeah. in the U.S. back in the 70s. Yes, yes, and we've been pa- when, when Budo was the president. We've been backing Pakistan. You know, that's the famous. Oh, the Nixon tilt Nixon to Pakistan. Tilt yeah. to Pakistan that was reported by Jack Anderson. Jack Anderson, by the way, was then put on the enemies list of Nixon <laughs> and Hunt, and the burglars were going through his trash on a regular basis, looking. For uh, who are the sources here? Uh, Jack Anderson was a very famous uh, Washington columnist that had a lot of inside scoops. An outspoken critic. An outspoken critic and ironically a Mormon. Um, Well, Pakistan, just to touch back on that real quick, there's there's all sorts of uh, problematic connections between the uh, Pakistani intelligence agency, their equivalents of the CIA, and all sorts of, you know, on-the-ground malfeasance in Afghanistan, uh, cooperation with the Taliban and all sorts of things. So it's you, you don't really have an even deck to even play with there, but it's uh, it's needlessly complicated. And, and with money coming from the Saudi royal family. Yeah. In other words, this, this uh, sort of trinity, and I don't want to call it the holy trinity because I don't know what it is, at the end of the Touch day. Touch the orb. But we have spent a trillion dollars in oh, Afghanistan. Yeah. That's For... actually real money. And what have we accomplished? Uh, almost nothing, as far as I'm concerned. This needs to be reexamined as a legitimate uh, role of what we're doing in the world. We there, there needs to be some accountability. I think that one of the problems in recent weeks, by the way, is that the word blame is being thrown around a lot. I've never liked that word. That reminds me, I think, of relationships that you had when you were younger and you'd get into a debate with your significant other and the word blame would would come up and you'd get defensive and it went nowhere and it would end up in an argument. But responsibility, that's mm. what this is really about, yeah. accountability. And I think that one of the reasons that the um, Republican Party has remained so quiescent is that there isn't any accountability, that Donald Trump can just continue to lie every day, thousands of documented lies. I think it's up over 5,000 now. It's craven. And there's no penalty being paid for it. And I suspect, regardless well, of what maybe happens... Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I think three things are going to happen. There is going to be a blue wave, or there's going to be just a blue sort of splash with some gains here and there. Or the Republicans are going to hold their own. But I kind of doubt that the last scenario is going to happen. Uh, The polls are just not in their favor. The issues are not in their favor. And quite frankly, by the way, local issues are far more important. Local personalities, the quality of candidates. For instance, in the Senate, look, it's going to come down to five states. Arizona, Nevada, Tennessee, North Dakota, Missouri. If the Democrats could win five out of four out of five, they probably take control of the Senate. That is a tall task. But the Democrats have quality candidates in all five races. And I think that the uh, Republican candidate in Missouri, where Trump seems to be uh, putting on the final elephant show tonight with Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> It might make for some interesting <clears throat> stage balancing. Yeah, put on a residence album and turn the sound down. And you know, who's watch got that play out? Who's got the bigger head here? Who's <laughs> bigger gas bag? Who? You know, you wonder if Sean Hannity said, "Wait a minute, 
I'm out of my league with those guys. <laughs> I'm just a nasty dude. They're they're megalomaniacal maniacs. Um, so yes, Beto O'Rourke can he pull the upset in Texas? Fascinating. This is a this is a grassroots campaign that uh, he's pulled within three or four points of Ted Cruz, and he's got momentum. Ted Cruz is desperate. Well, Ted Cruz is talking about tofu and, what, silicone? I didn't even know what that was about. Well, I think there's actually some voters in Texas Died hair are disappointed that Ted Cruz has sort of rolled over and become part of the uh, Donald Trump fan club, uh, especially after uh, himself and his wife were attacked pretty viciously. I mean, he's uh, been running a campaign against California as right. if— the the connection between you know California when California does well by the way the American economy does well it's that simple one out of ten people live there if California's in a recession America's in a recession it's that simple and California of course is com- competing against Donald Trump they're going green this map tomorrow in two, in three days I should say when they do the autopsy mm-hmm. and the post-election report, is going to show, a, I think, a different America. There's going to be a blue, there's going to be a red, and there's going to be a white. We know what that's all about. These northern states where Trump is covertly appealing to white resentment, white rage, the map needs to be redrawn. But our country needs to move green. It needs... To get into the 21st century, get away from the fossil fuels, clean up the environment. How many coal jobs has Donald Trump created since he's been president? The answer is zero. Why isn't that being pointed out to Donald Trump in West Virginia? He keeps campaigning in West Virginia. I'm like, dude, you're going to win West Virginia. (laughs) This is one state in the union that's losing people. It's also about the whitest state in the union. So when I mention the red-blue division that the media likes, I think we need to start thinking about four colors in the United States. Red, blue, green, white. And I think... The white with the pointy hat yeah, and at the top. Iowa's going to be another very interesting state. This is a blue state, formerly a blue state. It's a purple state now, but by all accounts from the media. Can Steve King possibly win re-election again? I mean, this guy apparently was texting with a Nazi in Austria yeah. just a couple of weeks ago. Actually, he was, uh, within the past couple of days, was uh, rebuked and chastised by the uh, RNC, who I think cut him off from some money. Well, and they've been cutting off a lot of Republicans on the money. They're looking. They're looking at the polls and saying this is a lost cause. We can't. We, we can't win this seat now. So, you know, the money at this point, the Democrats have sort of played even Stephen on that. Just real quickly on that money thing. You know, it's emerged all this crap about George Soros, Open Society. He's donated like eighty-five million dollars over the last decade. He ranks ninth. The Koch brothers have poured in $2 billion. What's the discussion about them? Nothing. Well, Sheldon Adelson's another one. Sheldon Adelson is actually number one on the registered l- yeah. list. He's at like almost $300 million over the last decade. Soros ranks ninth, but Soros is being 
picked on because he's Jewish, he's got a foreign, you know, he's got a heavy accent, and he's got this organization called the Open Society, which, of course, is what a liberal really is. A classical liberal is open-minded. That's what that's about. It's not about open borders. It's about thinking about the future. And the full range of possibilities that present themselves. Yeah, and the 